Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So before we get started, remember, if you would like to become a patron and help me out, patreon.com slash militantthomist. And also, if you go to the links below, you'll see, um, yeah, you'll see links down there. You, you know what to do. So I was the other day on Twitter, just, just chilling, and I had made a tweet about, um, about sodomites, and about premarital sex and, uh, and, and you know, my, my schizo posting uh, about that sort of stuff and about the superiority of matrimony and, and, and so on and so forth. And then I had a left calf who came into my responses because the tweet kind of blew up a bit. So as it happens, I get uh, left cats who come in and try to uh, harass me. <laughs> so there was this one guy who came in. And he started up uh, trying to start some trouble. And I just wasn't having it that morning. So I we were replying back and forth. And then I got very annoyed at him. I got very, very annoyed at him. And I, I just went off on him and then blocked him, as, as sometimes happens. I'm sure many of you who are on Twitter understand and have been in very similar situations. And then this guy, he decided that he wasn't going to give up. He decided that he was just going to keep going. He was going to keep trying to uh, trying to debunk me and get other people who were my mutuals uh, upset at me. And this went back and forth. And, uh, and a bunch of people were uh, well, a bunch of my haters were, were getting in the replies and uh, getting upset at me and, and whatever. You, you know how that works. And and then eventually I, I went I went to bed that morning and then I woke up. And then I looked at some of the replies and then eventually I, I conceded that he was right, that I had been, um, I'd been a jerk to him blowing up at him like that. So that later that evening, um, I was doing evening prayer and, uh, my wife has a copy of Thomas Kempis and his imitation of Christ. So I was like, you know, I'm, I kind of got nothing, nothing better to do before work. So I'm going to read a few chapters from this uh, before I go to work. It'll, it'll be good for me that these two were kind of unconnected. Um, the, the getting annoyed and then the reading imitation of Christ. But I read the first three chapters of imitation of Christ and it absolutely debunked me. It got, it very much spoke to exactly how I'd been acting earlier that day and how I sometimes act when I get upset at people. So what I wanted to, to do today is to kind of take a day, um, take a stream to, to get away from our normal stuff, the normal things that we talk about here at Militant Thomist, and to, to get in a little bit about how Saint, uh, he's not Saint, but uh, Thomas Akempis debunked me and debunks a lot of people. A lot of you who are watching will be debunked by Thomas Akempis here. Senor Wagner gets debunked. Oh, I got absolutely debunked. He was he was basically what Thomas Akempis does in the first three chapters is he absolutely trolls like 99% of etiology. The show we didn't know we needed. Oh, you guys need it. I I will be I know I know how it's gonna be with, with shows like this. This is gonna get like one fifth of the views that normal shows get, but I don't care because you guys need to hear this. So and I needed to hear it. So this is going to be something that we're going to talk about, even though that even though we might not like it and it might not be as 
exciting as other things. This is going to be something which is good for all of our souls. Yes, Imitation of Christ is one of my favorites. So, chapter one, I'm just going to read the first three chapters and comment as needed. Of the imitation of Christ and of contempt of the world and all its vanities. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, saith the Lord. These are the words of Christ, and they teach us how far we must imitate his life and character. If we seek true illumination and deliverance from all blindness of heart, let it be our most earnest study, therefore, to dwell upon the life of Jesus Christ. So this is kind of uh, basically the medieval, the late medieval version of what would Jesus do? If you, I'm sure most of you have uh, normie evangelical background, so you, you understand what I'm talking about. Little bracelets say, what would Jesus do? His teaching surpasseth all teaching of holy men, and such as have his spirit find therein the hidden manna, but there are many who, though they frequently hear the gospel, yet fear, feel but little longing after it, because they have not the mind of Christ. He, therefore, that will fully and with true wisdom understand the words of Christ, let him strive to conform his whole life to the mind of Christ. And he's about to get a little zinger in here. What doth it profit thee to enter into deep discussion concerning the Holy Trinity, if thou lack humility and be thus displeasing to the Trinity? So you need to ask yourselves. Because although a lot of you uh, are still beginners concerning the Holy Trinity and can't enter into deep discussion, do you lack humility and do you displease the Trinity? Because when it comes to theology, theology is a certain, it's a certain uh, scientia, when it, a certain science, a certain knowledge. But it is something which teaches of God, but it also is taught by God. So if you are displeasing of the Holy Trinity, if you are um, prideful, if you aren't humble, and you are going against the Holy Trinity, he is the, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will not teach of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity will not teach you of himself or themself, um, God-self, if, you uh, if you are one of the left cats who hate pronouns concerning God. For verily it is not deep words that make a man holy and upright. It is a good life that maketh a man dear to God. I had rather feel contrition than be skillful in the definition thereof. If thou knewest the whole Bible and the sayings of all the philosophers, what should all this profit thee without the love and grace of God? Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, save to love God, and him only to serve. That is the highest wisdom, to cast the world behind us and to reach forward to the heavenly kingdom. It is vanity, then, to seek after and to thirst in the riches that shall perish. It is vanity, too, to con covet honors and to lift up ourselves on high. It is vanity to follow the desires of the flesh and be led by them. For this shall bring misery at the last. It is vanity to desire a long life and to have little care for a good life. It is vanity to take thought only for the life which is now, and not to look forward to the things which shall be hereafter. It is vanity to love that which quickly passeth away, and not to hasten where eternal joy abideth. Be oft times mindful of the saying, The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. Strive therefore to turn away thy heart from love of the things that are seen, and to set it upon the things that are not seen. For they who follow after their own fleshly lusts defile the conscience and destroy the grace of God. 
So then chapter two of thinking humbly of oneself. There is naturally in every man a desire to know. And notice, very interesting here. Um, he's going to kind of be playing off of Aristotle's Metaphysics, book one. This is like the, the famous first line from Aristotle's Metaphysics. There is naturally in every man a desire to know. But what profiteth knowledge without fear of God? Better of a surety is a better of a surety. Interesting. Is a lowly peasant who serveth God than a proud philosopher who watcheth the stars and neglecteth the knowledge of himself. He who knoweth him well himself well is vile in his own sight. Neither regardeth he the praises of men. If I knew all the things that are in the world and were not in charity, what should it help me before God, who is to judge me according to my deeds? Rest from inordinate desire of knowledge, for therein is found much distraction and deceit. Those who have knowledge desire to appear learned and to be called wise. Many things there are to know which profiteth little or nothing to the soul. And foolish out of measure is he who attain attendeth upon other things rather than those which serve to his soul's health. Many words satisfy not the soul, but a good life refresheth the mind, and a pure conscience, conscience giveth great confidence towards God. The greater and more complete thy knowledge, the more severely shalt thou be judged, unless thou hast lived holily. Therefore be not lifted up by any skill or knowledge that thou hast, but rather fear concerning the knowledge which is given to thee. If it seemeth to thee that thou knowest many things, and understandeth them well, know also that there are many more things which thou knowest not. Be not high-minded, but rather confess thine ignorance. Why desireth thou to lift thyself above another, when there are found many more learned and more skillful in the scripture than thou? If thou wilt know and learn anything which profit, love to be thyself unknown, and to be counted for nothing." I think, uh, interestingly, with that, this last phrase, I think Thomas Akempis would have kind of uh, liked the fact that he was never canonized. He, when, um, and you'll read this in Father Lagrange, there is this idea within mystical theology that we ought to not only um, think of ourselves as um, vile and as damnable, because as you know God more, you see yourself in that light. And you know um, how truly vile you are compared to, um, uh, to goodness itself. You see how vile you are. So not only do you see yourself as vile, but you desire others. Interestingly enough, you desire others to see you as vile. That is, in the stages of the mystical life, as you begin to know yourself and to know God more, you, you go, into that, go into those phases um, as part of that ladder of mystical ascent, of uh, despising yourself and counting yourself for nothing, thinking of yourself as vile. So it is the absolute negation of pride. And then four, that is the highest and most profitable lesson when a man truly knoweth and judges lowly of himself to account nothing of oneself and to think always kindly and highly of others. This is great and perfect wisdom. Even shouldest thou see thy neighbor sin openly and grievously, yet thou oughtest not to reckon thyself better than he. For thou knowest not how long thou shalt keep thine integrity. 
All of us are weak and frail. Hold thou no more more frail than thyself. Then chapter 3 of the knowledge of truth. I'm going to check the, the replies. It feels absolutely brutal when you read a saint and everything they're saying feels like it was targeted at you. I felt this way with the imitation as well. And also with St. Maximus's three, 400 texts on charity. Oh yeah. I think Thomas Akempis is like the patron should be the patron saint, even though he's not a saint, the patron saint of etiology of Twitter, of Twitter theology. The, the patron saint of Catholic Twitter is Thomas Akempis. Michael Lofton did a short that implicitly exposed people who criticized the Pope when not checking their own hearts. Yeah, he should do a short um, criticizing people who criticize St. Cyril of Alexandria without checking their own hearts. Also, St. Therese, too. Reading her old autobiography felt like an indictment on the way I lead my life. Yeah, St. Therese, um, if you're talking about of Avila, she... Uh, it's it's Therese, isn't it? I always I always mispronounce her name, but she actually had the entire imitation of Christ memorized. This is literally the same thing Luther says, but he's a heretic. Yeah, I had a, um, a this is a brief pause from our reading, but I had a class on medieval mysticism that uh, the the whole object of the class is very interesting but was to show that a lot of Luther's ideas were from the Theologica Germanica. And I probably pronounced that terribly. Um, and then from a lot of the late medieval mystics is where Luther got a lot of his ideas when it comes to um, the mystical life that Luther ought to be regarded as a mystic. Very interesting, but um, obviously I'm not a fan of Luther. Oh, I was talking about the little flower who also was super into the imitation. I think every saint since the writing of the invitation has been into the invitation. It's great. I had a uh, somebody recommend that I read um, St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to the Devout Life, which I've read before. But uh, he says after reading the invitation, you ought to read that because you'll see how uh, how much St. Francis de Sales draws from from it. Okay, let us keep reading. Because this is like, honestly, if you thought that this was brutal enough already, he gets even more brutal in chapter three. Happy is the man whom truth by itself doth teach, not by figures and transient words, but as it is in itself. And this, I wanted to make a comment earlier, but this is very interesting when it comes to the way in which a Thomist, uh, like myself, will conceive of our knowledge of God. Because we, we know God um, analogously in this life through created effects and certain created figures, by negating the imperfections, we are able to ascend up that ladder to know something of God. We're kind of bleaching and squeezing out all of the negations till we get this, where it's like you take a massive tree. That this is, and, and it's even more so than this. But you take a massive tree and then you whittle it down, removing all of the negations and imperfections of created language. And then you whittle it and whittle it and whittle it and whittle it and whittle it until you get to this little toothpick. And that little toothpick is the truth which is contained in human language about God. And even then, 
that is just a very poor and uh, over-exaggerated analogy because we even have less than a toothpick. You may just have like a little chip or particle of wood and even less than that when it comes to that. So when it comes to figures and transient words, we get that little itty bitty, uh, tiny little chip of wood that we get from all of our discourse on God in theology. But when it comes to those whom truth itself doth teach, so when it comes to that mystical contemplation and union of the intellect with the divine essence that comes from the beatific vision, that is that is just such a fullness of truth. And that is that is the reason why St. Thomas refused to uh, continue writing after he had his mystical vision, because he realized that he was taking these trees and he was whittling them down, itty bitty, and doing so much work to get a little toothpick of knowledge. And then through that mystical vision, being taught himself by the word, he just got an absolute ocean of knowledge. So when it comes to the life of, of the theologian, uh, at least from the mystical writers, what they say, uh, don't take my word for it. But uh, at least from what they say, what I've read uh, in Father Lagrange and then in, um, in St. Thomas himself, because he has a good work on mystical theology. But... When it comes to that, the theologian, in order to be a good theologian, has to be a mystic. They have to get that that those oceans of uh, being taught by the word himself through the spirit in, in a mystical mode of union with the divine. That, that is that is the greater way. While um, the other way of of getting your itty bitty little toothpicks, that is still that is that even that little toothpick of knowledge of God is worth more than the entirety of creation combined. I think um, I I, uh, I can't remember where I read this. Um, I think it might have been Saint Anselm who said it. One of one of the one of the saints who said that even a drop of charity is worth worth more than all of heaven and earth combined, because it is it is something which is which is truly supernatural. So that little itty bitty toothpick of the knowledge of God is worth more than all of creation. So just imagine when it comes to the mystical union of how of how uh, robust and how uh, weighty and worthwhile the mystical life is even with all of the all of the troubles that comes along with it so i'll continue our own judgment and feeling often deceive us and we discern but little of the truth what doth it profit to argue about hidden and dark things concerning which we shall not be even reproved in the judgment because we knew them not it's kind of funny he says, we shall not even be reproved in the judgment if we know them not. O grievous folly to neglect the things which are profitable and necessary and to give our minds to things which are curious and hurtful, having eyes we see not. And what have we to do with talk about genus and species? He to whom etern the eternal word speaketh is free from multiplied questionings. From this one word are all things and all things speak of him. And this is the beginning which also speaketh unto us. No man without him understandeth or judgeth rightly. The man to whom all things are one, who bringeth all things to one, who seeth all things in one, he is able to remain steadfast of spirit and at rest in God. O God, who art the truth, make me one with thee in everlasting love. It wearieth me oftentimes to read and listen to many things. And thee is all that I wish for and desire. Let all the doctors hold their peace. 
Let all creation keep silence before thee. Speak thou alone to me. And this is, again, that, that theology is a mystical task. It is, it is not a mere natural mode of learning. It is something which is the very union of the intellect with God. The more a man hath unity and simplicity in himself, the more things and the deeper things he understandeth. And that without labor, because he receiveth the light of understanding from above, the spirit which is pure, sincere, and steadfast, is not distracted, though it hath many works to do, because it doth all things to the honor of God, and striveth to free from all thoughts of self-seeking. Who is so full of hindrance and annoyance to thee as thine own undisciplined heart? A man who is good and devout rangeth beforehand within his own heart the works which he hath to do abroad, and so is not drawn away by the desires of his evil will, but subjecteth everything to the judgment of right reason, who hath a harder battle to fight than he who striveth for self-mastery. And this should be our endeavor, even to master self, and thus daily to grow stronger than self and to go on to perfection. All perfection hath some imperfection joined to it in this life, and all our power of sight is not without some darkness. A lowly knowledge of thyself is a surer way to God than the deep searching of man's learning. Not that learning is to be blamed, nor the taking account of anything that is good, but a good conscience and a holy life is better than all, and because many seek knowledge rather than good living, therefore they go astray and bear little or no fruit. Oh, if they would give that diligence to the rooting out of vice in the planting of virtue, which they give unto vain questionings. There had not been so many evil doings and stumbling blocks among the laity, nor such ill living among the houses of religion. Of a surety at the day of judgment, it will be demanded of us, and this is where he goes hard, it will be demanded of us not what we have read, but what we have done. Not how well we have spoken, but how holily we have lived. Tell me, where now are all those masters and teachers whom thou knewest well, whilst they were yet with you and flourished in learning? Their stalls are now filled by others, who perhaps never have one thought concerning them. Whilst they lived, they seemed to be somewhat, but now no one speaks of them. That's going to be many of you. That's going to be me myself. We're going, nobody's going to speak of us after we die. On the day of judgment, no, no, there's going to be no care with what we have read, with how uh, well we have spoken, but what we have done and how holily we have lived. Oh, how quickly passeth the glory of the world away. Would that their life and knowledge had agreed together. For then would they have read and inquired unto good purpose. How many perish through empty learning in this world? Who care little for serving God? And because they love to be great more than to be humble, Therefore, they have become vain in their imaginations. He only is truly great, who hath great charity. He is truly great, who deemeth himself small, and counteth all height of honor as nothing. He is the truly wise man, who counteth all earthly things as dung, that he may win Christ. And he is the truly learned man, who doeth the will of God, and forsaketh his own will. Okay. Uh, are you all being are you all done being debunked by Thomas Kempis? He absolutely debunketh all of us. Okay.
So that's all I have for you. Thank you for joining me. Remember to read Thomas Kempis because he is amazing. And goodbye. Also, it is Easter and Christ has risen from the dead. Alleluia. Alleluia.